This morning, I want to minister on what I've tied to Jesus on court and on edits. Jesus on court and on edits. The truth about anger and lust. The truth about anger and lust. Hallelujah. And I want you to kind of, you know, this is one of those messages that um, you might have, um, you might be familiar with the scriptures, but to be honest, I mean, you probably won't know where I'm going with this until I land. So I want you to just come along with me. Praise the Lord. And just trust God that God will give you something, you know, in it. Amen. Is anyone here struggling with sin? Just come, step out. Uh, okay. Just look around. Is anybody standing up with you? Sorry? I don't. What? Ah. I said, is anyone struggling with sin? Only two people stood up. Can you clap for them? <laughs> you know what? These are the only two honest people in this room. Yeah, all are liars. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. But that includes me too, because if I was sitting in the congregation too, and I was asked to stand up, I probably would stand up. Because I'll be wondering, where is he taking this to? So some of you, I guess that's probably that's the reason you didn't stand up. And that's why some of you, it's time to start justifying yourself. We're not all perfect, you know. So in other words, please sit down. Yeah, thank you, you know. And I deliberately asked that question. And the reason why I asked that question is that, you see, one of the challenges that we have as Christians is that we do say statements like that. We are not all perfect. But it's so amazing. How many of us hate hypocrites? Let me see your hands. If you hate hypocrites. Oh, thank God you're all honest that you're hypocrites. You know? Do, do you know why? Do you know why? Do you know why I say you are one? It takes one to know one. And Jesus says that, you know, he said, remove the, what? The log in your eye so that you can see the speck in your, that's how he defines hypocrisy. In other words, you're, you are distorted with the log in your eye. So what you see as speck, you think is even bigger than it is because you're looking from the lines of your eyes, you know? So thank God that, uh, at least we learned a lesson now that we, we were honest to that. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the, the, the truth about it is that we all believe, if you ask any believer, do you know that you are saved by grace? Every believer will say, yes, I'm saved by grace. But we don't actually understand the working of grace in our life as a believer. And the funny thing is that, or the sad thing is that, we demand or we judge one another by the law, with the eyes of the law. And that's why we look for perfection in everybody else apart from ourselves. We excuse ourselves for it, you know, we, we make statements like, you know, after all, everybody's not perfect. 
But if you see someone else doing exactly the same thing that you did yesterday, today you felt holy, you're working holy, but you see someone that did exactly what you did yesterday, you judge that person from being unrighteous. Am I, am I the only one? You, you, are you coming along with me? Amen. Am I making sense? So, we are all guilty of that. And I want to focus on three of the laws of three of the Ten Commandments that Jesus highlights here. You see, one thing that we need to understand is that technically, the New Testament started from the book of Acts. Technically. Because, you see, the freedom and the liberty that man had to live in Christ Jesus started after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So everything in the gospel still refers to the law. And that's why Jesus told the Gentiles that, look, that um, you find that the ministry of Jesus Christ was primarily to the Gentiles who had knowledge of the law. Sorry, the ministry of Jesus was to the Jew who had the knowledge of the law and not the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were not given the law. Amen. So, if you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, chapter, uh, verse 21 to 29, um, like I said, read through the whole chapter. It's... Um, you would, you would understand some of the things that um, I probably uh, would say. I'll go as fast as I can, but, I mean, I won't rush anything through. I'll just stop where. From verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, you know the word Raka, do you know what that word means? It actually means you say empty it. So whenever you abuse someone, you know, criticizing their future, you know, and everything, literally, you know, Jesus is saying that you commit murder. Hallelujah, which is the sixth commandment. Shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Look at that. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come to offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. While you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. As surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it out from you. For it is more profitable 
for you that one of your members perish than, than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it off from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Amen. Now, Jesus is, uh, was teaching, this is one of the five major teachings in the, uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, which the theologians call discourses. This is one of the discourses. And it was such, uh, first of all, it started with the attitude that one needs to adopt in the kingdom of God. When it was saying, blessed are those in spirit, blessed are those who are hungry, you know, and he began to give, you know, happy, um, King James says, happy are those, you know. But here, Jesus was actually identifying certain parts of the commandment. Like I said, that was the third commandment. Murder was the sixth commandment. And adultery was the seventh commandment. And verse 33 to 37, it talks about oath, which is the, uh, which is the third commandment. But what, what, what am I really going at? I'm saying that if you judge by what Jesus is saying, and we go by that, we realize that none of us will be fit before God. Amen? Has anybody ever abused anybody? Has anybody be angry at anyone? And you've carried your anger over? You know, Jesus said that is murder. Amen? And Jesus said that person is not fit for the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Now, you can imagine, just check how long, how many times you've been angry at your brother, at your sister, and everything. You know, if, you, if Jesus begins to take score, how many of you think that you have a chance? How many of us think that we have a chance? Absolutely none of us. But when you look at, look at when you look at verse 17 to 20, it's so funny. In verse 17, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. And he goes on further. He says that anyone that disregards the law or teach anyone to disregard the law, he said that person will be least in the kingdom. In other words, I will be really crossed about the person. In fact, it's almost like he placed a curse on that person. But when you look at verse 22, it's interesting. Jesus now turned it, verse 20, he turned that, that same instruction, he turned it on his head. He said, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they do not only know the law, but they are the executors of the law. They are the ones that watch it, that make sure, you know, they make sure, did you eat right? Did you clean the vessel, you, you know? Are you wearing sick and are you mixing your garments and everything? You know, they're so strict. The Bible says that, you know, they, they have the license to kill if you break the law. And Jesus here is saying that, look, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you have no chance. What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying that we need to meet that standard? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. I was um, sharing this um, uh, uh, with my wife. I said, it's just like someone just says to you, you know, you don't have 1,000 pounds to your name and saying that you can only consider yourself rich 
if you are richer than Jeff, um, Jeff Bezos, who's claimed to be the richest man on, on the planet, the, the owner of Amazon, you know? Now, what that person is saying is that, literally, that person is literally telling you that you have no chance of being George the Millionaire, you know, because this guy is worth how many billions. But what Jesus is actually saying there is that, look, following the law or living the law is not the way to go. But Jesus says, he said, I have not come to abolish the law. In other words, the law is not irrelevant. Because what the law does, what the law does, which um, if I have time I will show you, what the law does is that the law does not help us to remain righteous or to get closer to God. What the law does is that the law reveals the sin. What am I saying? You can imagine if you drive now, the, uh, if you drive in within town, it's 30 miles an hour. In some places, it's restricted to 20 miles an hour. Now, if that law does not exist, if that law does not exist, you know you can drive by, you can drive, you can exceed that, you can exceed that speed limit. But does it make it safe for you to do? No, it doesn't. So, the law highlights the danger and makes it an offense if you break it. But it does not stop you or it does not help you to be a responsible driver. I want to ask how many people have exceeded driving over 30 in a 30-mile route. Don't let me tempt you to lie again. Amen? Praise the Lord. We all drive within the confines of the speed limit, don't we? Even on the motorway. Praise the Lord. Now, jump to verse, jump to, on the same chapter, jump to verse, um, verse 45. And Jesus, you know, in as much as Jesus is saying that, look, you cannot measure the measure of the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, that you may be sons of your fathers in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rays on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who you love, who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the task collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren, only what do you do than others? Do not even the task collectors do so. Look at verse 48. He said, therefore, you shall be perfect. The word perfect means mature. It means to come to completion. He said, therefore, you shall be complete or you shall be mature. You shall come to completion, to maturity, just as your father in heaven is matured or perfect. Now, what exactly Jesus is saying here? You remember we started. Jesus said that if you are angry with your brother, or if you call your brother empty head, he said, hellfire is your destination or our destination. And it goes on further, he says that if you lost after a woman, if you lost after a woman, he said, you have already committed adultery. 
which is the seventh commandment. Now, um, I will not ask the woman, the men to own up here because I notice some of your wives are sitting with you. I don't want you to put you into trouble. And he says further, he says that instead of you to commit sin, he said that thing that is making you to commit sin, he said you should get rid of it. I bet it with you. If every man here, including me, if every man here adheres to that scripture, all of us would have gone blind. Isn't it? We would have all gone blind because we would have all plucked out our eyes. Praise the Lord. Amen? But thank God for God. And you see, the reason why I'm bringing this for you is for us to understand that what is it that makes me right before God? What is it? You see, the reason why this is important is because many times the world judge us and expect us to be strictly perfect. A lot of people in ch- us, at us of church can't stand church because they think that we are so hypocritical. Because they expect us to be so perfect that, look, what's the difference? If you are, if you are not perfect, I'm not perfect, what's the big deal? Why are you better than me? But it's not a case of being better or not. And that's what I want to show you now. Turn your Bible with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. From verse 16. He reads, he says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Tell your neighbor, a man is not justified by the works of the law. Or better say this, say, you are not justified by the works of the law. Amen? So in other words, what we do is not what makes us right before God. I want you to follow me with this. What we do is not what makes us right before God, but what we do say what we are. Amen? Hold your finger, hold your finger one moment in that Galatians chapter 2. we we'll go back to that. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. I just want to qualify that statement. Chapter 2 from verse 24. No, uh, verse 28. eh? And now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. Amen? Anyone who what? Practices righteousness is born of God. Practicing righteousness is because you are righteous. 
And I'm going to, I'm going to qualify that. Look at, um, jump to, uh, again, this is another chapter that I will encourage you to read. But jump to verse 4. He said, whoever commits sin also commits what? Lawlessness. Oh, but I've just said that um, God does not mark our wrongs or sin. You, you Just go with me. He said, whoever commits sin commits what? Lawlessness. And sin is what? Lawlessness. I'm looking at chapter 3 now, verse 4. Verse 5 now. And you know that he was manifested to what? Take away our sins, and in him there's no sin. Whoever abides in him does not what? Whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, and of the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Did you see that? Whoever that is born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Hallelujah. Look at verse, jump to verse um, 16. He said, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this word good, and sees his brother in it, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, what is he saying here? I remembered how I conquered lost. There was a day I was, um, I was um, looking at a woman and I thought, wow, she's beautiful. And I think I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit there. And I kind of realized that, so what? If she's beautiful. I said, well, she, she looks nice. And he said, even if you sleep with her, how many can you sleep with? How many, how many, how many beautiful women will you, will you come across in your world? And it dawned on me that day that, wow, actually there are millions around. Let's even assume that I want to be sleeping with everyone. How many can I with? And personally, that's the day I conquered issue of lust. That's the day. It doesn't even bother me. You know, um, I was telling someone, I said, you see, with the issue of lust, Satan plays on our mind that we are weak, we are vulnerable. But when you recognize that you have the seed of God in you, the Bible says, he that is born of God cannot sin. It's not that you are perfect. But because you think of what Christ has accomplished for you. And you know that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. You see, uh, um, Brah Afam quoted that scriptures that, you know, 
The, uh, Paul says that I no longer live unto myself, but I live unto him who died for me. So the main question is that, who are you living for? What are you living for? You know, to, to jump at the form, uh, the, the, the flimsy excuse that, oh, uh, we're, we're all sinners, we're, you know, after all, we are flesh and everything, you know, I can just fall by any, any for every form and any form of temptation. It's a cheap excuse and uh, is a cheap way to corner you out of what God had done for you. He said, he that is born of God does not sin. Amen. Because the seed of God is in you. Hallelujah. The seed of righteousness is in you. Praise the Lord. I don't have the time, but um, I would um, probably when, when we visit again, uh, we would... Uh, I ask you to go to Galatians chapter 2, isn't it? Yes. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 2 now. Let's see. So what I'm saying is that from verse 16, he said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It's not the thick boxes that justifies you. It's not the sin that you committed yesterday that justifies you or disqualifies you. The Bible says that no one should deceive herself. When you find yourself sinning, when you know, when you are convicted that you have sinned, you know, the Bible says confess your sin before God. He's faithful and just to forgive you from all sin and unrighteousness. Don't sit there. That's not where you belong. Amen? That's not where you belong. Confess it and move on. Look at verse 17. He said, but if we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which are destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I died to the law that I might live to God. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You know, at this church, I want to introduce you to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Talk to somebody say, I want to introduce you to you. Amen. And this is who you are if you are the righteousness of God. He said, I have been what? crucified with Christ. In other words, it is not only Jesus that went to that cross, you went to the cross with him. Amen? You were buried your old nature. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 7 says, Behold, all things have become new that you are born again. You are new. You, only, you went with the, to the cross with Jesus. You died with Jesus on the cross. The moment you are baptized and you resurrect, you resurrect unto the newness of life. Hallelujah, somebody. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. In other words, the sinful woman who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? 
by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave him his life. Hallelujah. So it's not by the tick box. Okay, you are angry to some, you are angry with someone yesterday and everything. You know, it's, you don't need anger therapy. You don't need anger management. You don't need lost, um, you, you don't need deliverance of uh, six weeks cause deliverance to be delivered from loss. You just need to recognize who you are, that you have been, you see, that lossful person as in buried with Christ Jesus, you, that person no longer exists. If I strike matches fire now and I try to touch you, you jump, you jump from your seat. Isn't this? But if you are a dead person, I set fire upon you, it, it won't move. Hallelujah. That's what Christ, that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. Now, look, you should consider yourself the old nature that was lustful, the old nature that was angry, the old nature that, you know, has short fuse. That old nature is what? Is dead. That old nature no longer exists. So don't give people excuse, oh, you know, uh, so if you get home today and, uh, and you play up with your wife or with your husband and everything and say, you know I have anger problem. No, you don't have anger problem. Amen? Hallelujah. Talk to your neighbor and say, you don't have anger problem. Hallelujah. And you don't have lost issues. Hallelujah. I remember one day, uh, one woman came. She was, I mean, she was uh, our friend, and she came. Uh, she, um, she said, uh, Pastor, I've, um, I've, um, I have an issue with seduction. I seduce men. I have a seducing spirit. I think, yeah, that's it. I have a seducing spirit. And it is pastors that are seduced. I said, this one you cannot seduce. <laughs> I said, let's get that straight. This one you cannot seduce. And I said, moreover, are you a child of God? You cannot be a child of God and be and have the label as a seductor or what? Seducts? Seductress, okay. Well, you know. That label, if you had it before, is dead with the old nature. You are a child of God. That seductra is dead. You are now alive to God. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of people carry labels on themselves. And they go, they forget what Christ had accomplished for them. You know? Oh, you know, it's it, 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 anger issue you have. It, you just have problem with loss, you know? You need deliverance. No. You just, look. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live. In the flesh. In other words, you're not in heaven. The life you now live in the flesh, in this body. Hallelujah. The life you now live in this body 
He says, you live by what? By faith in the Son of God. Faith means that you have the confidence, the trust that Christ has finished it all. Amen? When, the Bible, when Jesus said it is finished, it is indeed what? Hallelujah. Talk to someone and have me tell them that it is finished. He said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave him himself to me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness come through the law, then Christ died in vain. Amen? So if it is the law that will justify you, then there's no point Jesus comes. No point that he died. Amen? But thank God we know that he didn't die in vain. Hallelujah. Thank God that we can live in victory and deliverance. We can live free without guilt. Amen? You are not a sinner. Amen? Tell someone you are not a sinner. Amen? Sin does not dwell in you. The seed of righteousness dwells in you. You are the son of the living God. Hallelujah. John chapter 1 verse 6 says that those that, that believe in Jesus Christ say God has given them the power to become the sons of God. Amen. He has given us the power to become sons of God. You are a child of God. Amen. Tell somebody for me you are a child of God. You are born of God. The seed of God resides in you. You are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So every label that is not of God, I want you to peel it off you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Peel off everything that is not of God. Everything that God has not called you, don't call yourself that. Amen. God says, you are my child. Look, can you be, can you find an apple tree on a pear tree? So, if you are a child of God, why do you think that you can be a sinner and be part of his family? Amen? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to continue this um, sometime because our time is far gone. Um, because I don't think I've kind of landed very well. But does it, do, do I make a bit of sense? Hallelujah. If there's anything that you remember today, know that, number one, Christ has not died in vain. Amen? Christ has not died in vain. And because he has not died in vain, he has changed your status. He has changed your status. Your failings, your mistakes, your imperfection is not what justifies you before God. Amen? But... What you, the way you live or what you, the fruit you produce is what defines who you are. Amen. What you do is not what justifies you. But what you do shows who you are. Amen. The righteous live right before God. The sinner are lawless. Amen. But praise God, you are not lawless. Hallelujah. Let's rise up to our feet. Amen. Praise God. Tell someone I'm not lawless. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My failings, my shortcomings, 
does not define who I am in Christ Jesus. Because Christ died for me. He shed his blood for me. I died with him on the cross. And as we resurrect together into a new life with him. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank God. He washed you. He's the one that washed us. He washed us clean in the blood of the Lamb. He declares us righteous. He judges us righteous before him. He judges us worthy to come before him. Father, we thank you. We bless your name, O oh God. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, Lord, your word that has gone forth will not return to you empty-handed, but it would accomplish the purpose to which you sent it forth. I pray that, Lord, you bring strength and encouragement unto everyone, O God, that are struggling with their identity with you in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, you bring clarity and confidence of your word, of who they are, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord Almighty, Lord, because your word says that, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. I pray that, Lord Almighty, that, Lord, we live, O oh God, in the power and the praise of your grace that is made available for us. Thank you, Lord Almighty, because we are justified by grace, not by works, least any man boasts. Father, we thank you that of ourselves we can't do anything, but with you, all things are possible. We give you praise. We honor you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord Almighty, even as I come in this week before you. I pray that, Lord Almighty, as we step out of this place, O oh God, we step into your presence. And that, Lord, your power and your glory, O oh God, be with us. Go ahead of us. Go before us. Make every crooked place smooth, O oh God, for our sake in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, every situation and challenge is, O oh God, that befalls anyone, Lord. Father, Lord, I pray for open doors. I pray for as many that are believing you for jobs. I pray for as many that are believing for, for promotion, business initiatives. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that for fruitfulness, O oh God, in every area of our lives this week in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord Almighty, for Sister Elizabeth's testimony. Thank you, Lord Almighty, Father, for the new chapter that you're opening up in our lives. We use her as a point of contact for as many that believe in you, O God. For all the stuff, O God, in their lives, O God. Father, make a way where there seems to be no way. Perfect your word concerning us in the name of Jesus. We bless you. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much.